Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Next Woman Up podcast. We are doing an NFL draft recap this week, and we're joined by Lindsay Jones, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the NFL, and the president of the Pro Football Writers of America. Lindsay, thank you so much for being with us. Sure, thanks for having me. This will be fun. Yes, and Lindsay, you can't see, but she has a very fancy library background <laughs> behind her. Love that. Um, but Lindsay, if you could just start by telling us a little bit about your role and what you do for The Athletic for those that are listening. Sure. Yeah, I'm um, a senior NFL writer. So I'm on our national NFL desk. So kind of the way the, the athletic is set up, we have um, beat writers covering almost all of the NFL teams. And then we have a staff of national reporters um, like myself. So I cover the league at large. Um, I tend to focus on a lot of like league issues and trends and too much COVID protocol stuff over the last couple of years. Um, I also write columns. So when there's things that uh, necessitate um, kind of a column from an NFL perspective, um, I tend to jump in on that stuff, whether it's, you know, off-field issues, the Deshaun Watson signing, a lot of the Antonio Brown stuff, a lot of the um, NFL DEI coaching stuff. I tend to jump in on a lot of that stuff. Um, and I'm based in Denver. So when I cover games, I try to stay in the Western part of the country as much as I can. Um, and so I'm uh, very jacked up about the AFC West kind of becoming the center of the NFL universe because it means I like might not have to travel west of Kansas City or yeah. east of Kansas City this year. So um, yeah, so it, it's kind of fun that the team right down the road is, is relevant again. I have no idea if the Broncos are going to be good, but it, it's easier. It makes my personal life a lot easier when the team in my backyard, um, the games here will matter for the first time in a long time. You know, it's so funny. Lindsay Carly was just in Denver for the USA football conference. Carly, how did you feel about Denver? Did you like the city? Oh yeah. Um, I didn't have a ton of time to explore when I was there. We were literally like in and out. Um, and we spent most of the time at mile high stadium, um, which was cool. I'd never been there and I always love like being able to go to another NFL stadium. So that was, that was great. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've, it's one of the ones I really want to visit. Yeah. Sorry, we just had a dog join us. No, okay. <laughs> I don't know if you saw her come in. So. We dogs always love babies. unexpected guests. But... <laughs> and there she goes. <laughs> but we like, let's get into it. Um, yeah. Okay, great. So I want to start off by talking about the first overall pick in this year's draft, Trayvon Walker. So leading up to the draft for like a few months leading up to the draft, his name wasn't so much in the conversation for being taken first overall and then kind of in that last week before the draft things started to change what's your perspective on that and do you have any inside information on to why you know it flipped so quickly yeah I mean I think the you know it was it was a testament to the fact that there you know, well obviously there were no quarterbacks in this draft so that completely changed the complexion of the top of the draft because it made a lot more players kind of available there at the top of the draft when you kind of knew that nobody was going to be moving up for a quarterback. Um, and, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, I don't know exactly where it came from that, like this assumption that he was going to be the number one overall pick. It was just like, he was like a very clean prospect, you know, like you kind of knew exactly what you were going to be getting out of agent Aiden Hutchinson. And, um, but I don't think there was ever this like really solid consensus around the league of who the best player was. Um, and I think if we were to actually get copies of all 32 teams draft boards, um, Fortunately, Jerry Jones is the only one who's actually revealed his draft board to anybody kind of on accident when he held up his uh, a copy of it for the cameras. Um, 
I think we might see a lot of different players who had the highest grades, including some offensive linemen. Um, but the Jags' decision to franchise tag and then extend Cam, Rob Cam Robinson um, really kind of gave us the indication that the Jags were going to be going defense there. Um, and yeah, I mean, Trayvon Walker was kind of a, you know, he's a very like traitsy guy, right? I mean, he was productive at Georgia, but they had a ton of productive guys. So he's really an upside pick. And, you know, you could just really kind of feel this momentum building about him and then connecting the dots between um, the type of player that he was, the premium position that he plays and what Trent Baalke likes. And so I think that's really where this came from, where, you know, I don't know if he's the best player in this draft, but I think, I don't think anybody knows who the best player in this draft was. Um, and the, the Jags are betting on um, using that pick on a premium position and there might be better linebackers or safeties. You know, I remember there was like, there was a little stretch where it was like Kyle Hamilton is the best player in this draft. And like, he's a really freaking good football player and the Ravens, I think are going to ultimately end up having a steal and being able to get Kyle Hamilton where they did. Um, but if you're going to gamble big, you got to go at one of those premium positions and edge rusher is that's what that is uh, on defense. So, um, you know, it, I think it ultimately, if you would have told us a month ago that he was going to be the, the number one pick, it was a huge surprise two weeks ago, maybe not quite as much. The momentum was certainly building that way. And it just, it just it's a very clear, like Trent Baalke pick. I think, I think that's where it came, comes from. I mean, that makes a ton of sense. Um, and like you said, he might not have been the best talent on the board, but he's a good fit. And sometimes it's even better to take the guy that fits for you um, versus trying to, you know, squeeze a super talented player into your scheme. Um, yeah, it's like the ceiling might be higher, you know, like the floors maybe a little bit lower, but the ceiling is higher and the Jags have to take some big swings. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, let's move into pick number two, um, where Aiden Hutchinson comes in and you were, you know, just talking about him a little bit. Um, you know, it's, I feel like a really good fit, hometown guy. I feel like he's the type to be happy in Detroit. Yeah. Any players might not be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the funniest things that's come out after the draft in those couple of days is that the Lions have kind of said that the league got mad at them because of how quickly they turned in that card because. Her dogs are so cute. They're popping they're, in and out. They're, they're taking dog, away from me. Yeah, I'm getting they, a lot of, uh, we're having a lot of dog want, They too want to know about Eden. <laughs> they do want to yes. talk about it. They do want to talk about the draft. Um, but yeah, the, it's, it's just been really funny that the, the Lions have kind of been like, criticized by the, or they felt criticized by the rest of the league by how fast they turned in that pick. I mean, you know, it, this is a television event and the television broadcast is built around every team using their full allotment of minutes and they've got commercial breaks and all of this stuff built in there. And they took like, I don't know, 35 seconds or something to turn in their Aiden Hutchinson card because, you know, he so clearly fits their plan and what they need, what they need um, on the field, in the locker room uh, for ticketing purposes and getting your fan base excited. And um, he's really going to be a piece that they can build around. Um, he's going to be able to contribute from day one. And you know, look, it's, this, it's been a really rough time in Detroit for a long time. And you got to give your fans a reason to be excited. And um, 
the Lions did that twice. I don't know how far down we're going to get into the draft board, but um, getting Aiden Hutchinson and then making a major move, I mean, moving up 20 spots in the draft by to, to get a wide receiver. I mean, these are two impact players day one. Um, and the re- it's, it's no wonder that it kind of felt like a Super Bowl, I think, for the Lions to uh, to kind of hit those to hit on those two draft picks. And like you were saying that in terms of Leighton Hutchinson, like he's going to come in and like be ready day one. I think he has the character to really lead. Um, yeah. I, I know there's been like a lot of criticism of Goff and like how he is there. And I know they like him there, but um, it, I feel like Aiden Hutchinson is the kind of guy who's going to come in and like really have like a leadership quality to this team. And I think that's so important. Um, yeah. The field. I know Dan Campbell is like very vocal, um, but I think it's just important to have a voice on the field and like a leader on the field. Yeah, they need to have guys that they can, because this is clearly like a long-term building process. I mean, this is not a team that we should have any expectations. I don't think they have expectations in their own building that they're going to be in the playoffs this year. They're looking at this as we got to get the right guys in here, build around, you know, this is, you know, Hutchinson, um, is a guy that, you know, yeah, he's going to be here for four or five years. And- you know, it's so funny, Lindsay, as I'm thinking about this, I'll have two questions for you. Sure. The first one being that I feel like with all of the insight that you have, like one, you're getting engagement from like people on Twitter who like either want to comment on your opinion or you're probably getting DMs and questions. But two, like, are you getting texts from like all of your friends, like looking for your like, who do you think we're going to get? And like, people are hitting up for like fantasy. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. A little bit less during the draft, but like definitely during like fantasy football season and fantasy drafts and um, survivor pool time, um, all of those kind of things. Although I will say um, she just made an appearance here, my daughter, but we have made like a podcast out of Lena picking games and she's really good. Like it's oh, weird. She so was like cute. over 70% or something last season at picking games. Oh my games. God. And so, and you know, and it, so we've done two seasons now worth of picks when she was four and now when she was five and like she picked the Bucks to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl when oh. I was like sure that the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. Um, although she's still bummed. She did pick the Bengals to win the Super Bowl and she's still a little bit yeah, disappointed I did that too. she was wrong, um, wrong on that. And I think she picked the Bengals because my... Um, my in-laws taught her the icky shuffle. <laughs> so oh my I think, God. I think that was where, I think that was why she picked the Bengals. But um, so yeah, they do. I do get a lot of the texts. Like um, I don't do a lot of like mock drafts, so I don't get a ton of that, but I will get stuff from like in other, well, less so this year because the Broncos didn't have a first round pick, but usually it's like, what are the Broncos going to do? And this year I'm like, oh, they don't, they don't pick till number 64. So That's funny. it's harder to predict. <laughs> Uh-huh. Going back to the to Walker, like just a little bit, and kind of what we were talking about, we've seen like this trend, right, of these like guys on defense, like kind of getting the limelight for once. Like you know, the number one pick wasn't a quarterback. Like, what do you think this means to the NFL as a whole? Like, are, what does this shift mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I think it's cyclical, and I think this was, you know, a, a lot of it was based on who this quarterback class was, and that there just really wasn't um, not just like one top guy. There just wasn't like a clear group of players who were first round grades or predicted you know, that the NFL viewed as being early starters. Um, but I, so I'm not like, a, I, I watch college football, but I would say I'm not like a, like diehard college football fan. I do a lot of my like college, college football research, like leading up to the draft. Um, 
but one of my coworkers, Nicole Auerbach, who's one of our college football reporters, I thought she put it really, really well during the draft. And she said that the story of this college football season was defense and Georgia was became the national champion because of their defense. And so it was kind of like rewarding almost to just see that um, or refreshing to see that that trend carry over. Like if defense was the story of college football season and then it became the story uh, of this draft as well. So I think it's a little bit cyclical, but I think it's also a statement of just kind of the value that's being placed on different, you know, on certain positions. Obviously quarterback is gonna be higher than anything else, but pass rusher is not that far behind, cornerback not that far behind where, you know, these guys are now getting $25 million plus year contracts and stuff. So, um, you know, it's it, it's worth it to spend premium draft positions at or premium draft capital at those positions. Agreed. And based on what you're saying, you know, about the quarterback class this year, um, there was a lot of talk about Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. Um, and, and I will preface this by saying, I've always been, you know, critical of quote unquote experts because they're not in the personnel rooms. They are predicting and projecting and speculating like the rest of us. However, it was predicted and projected and speculated that he would be the first quarterback taken off the board and he would go higher and he fell all the way to the third round. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? And I, I mean, I have my own, I, but I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just kind of this idea that he he and basically all of the quarterbacks in this class, I do think Kenny Pickett was maybe like artificially pushed up a little bit and he ended up kind of in the, like a really unique situation where the Steelers, I think, have a lot of inside information on him and felt comfortable with him. And they're in a situation where they could maybe take a risk at taking a quarterback at 20 that some of these other teams maybe weren't, didn't have the security. Like, you know, Mike Tomlin is in a position of extreme security where, you know, they can take a quarterback and if it doesn't work, Mike Tomlin's not going to be getting fired. Um, but the, some of these other quarterbacks and specifically with Willis is that um, he just needs time. And, you know, taking a quarterback who needs time too early, it puts a ton of pressure on that guy to be productive early. And a lot of times he could end up in a bad situation, a, a, a coach who could be getting fired, a ski, you know, a place where the scheme doesn't fit, where the rest of the roster is bad. Um, and even really, really good players like Trevor Lawrence, if you end up in a bad situation with a, you know, a dysfunctional organization and coaching staff, um, you know, it can really be a setback. So, you know, you know, for Willis, like I, I wish he would have gone like in the second round. I think that maybe would have been a little bit of a, you know, maybe more fair to him. Um, but I think ending up in Tennessee is going to be really interesting for him because it's another place where Mike Vrabel and John Robinson have a lot of security there. Um, I think they've got a lot of, just a lot of respect from around the league of the way they've built up that franchise, run that locker room. Um, it's going to be a, a little bit of an awkward situation, I think, with Ryan Tannehill. And I don't, I don't fault Ryan Tannehill for saying, you know, I'm not here to mentor him because he's not. I mean, he brought in a guy who could conceivably take your job, but I think he'll be able to learn a lot there um, and hopefully be brought along the right way. Um, the hard part, I think, for any of these quarterbacks um, is that if once you're a third round draft pick, like that's going to stick on them forever and your pedigree matters, right? And where you got drafted, um, 
I mean, I don't think it should matter like from us necessarily, but like when we're talking about like how other teams are going to view them um, in terms of if they're going to be ended up ending, ending up trading teams or if they are become a free agent, they're kind of always going to have that later round draft tag on them. And the higher you're drafted, the more chances you get. Um, and those guys, these guys are just not going to be afforded that sort of chance that guys who are drafted in the first round, even though they might not ultimately be, be better prospects, um, those guys are going to be given a little bit more leeway than later round draft picks will be. Right. I, I completely agree with everything you said. And in terms of like, in terms of him falling, he truly is a developmental prospect. Like you see all the traits, um, but like you said, time, and he is going to a place where I do think he will get the coaching to be developed right when you were talking about you know taking these developmental guys too high my mind went to Trey Trey Lance being taken so high last year and the pressure that puts on him and you know I think that was kind of a surprise to everyone so this decision by the Titans I think is a smart one I also think that you know what you were saying in terms of like putting a you know a tag on someone for when they were taken I think it also work in their favor because if you perform really well, it's a very high return on investment. Yeah. Because if you're taking yeah. very high, you know, I think about, you know, a Daniel Jones who was taken very high and has not been returning on his investment. That's also a bad look. So, you know, you can look at it in two ways, which I think is really yeah. interesting. Um, but I do want to hop down the board a little bit and I want to talk about Kevon Thibodeau. Um, not because I'm and saying I know we can talk about it because it's the Giants outside but I oh, I knew it would <laughs> Sarah Sarah's like it's not like you guys um but I want to touch on it because the perspective of him possibly having like clowny like traits in a not so good way in terms of like attitude and work ethic and what do you think of that and how how do the Giants avoid kind of getting that that disappointment that Clowney has become. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that stuff is just unfair to put on anybody at this point. Um, you know, it's it's so hard. And so much of what, like the discourse and the draft process, um, it's really frustrating from like, and I'm sure fans hate it, but like from like a media perspective, a lot of times it feels really irresponsible because a lot of scouts, coaches or whoever it might be personnel folks are kind of given this like latitude to just say whatever they want about guys off the record um anonymous quotes and like you know it's stuff that you know put your name on it right I guess is, is kind of where I'm at and a lot of it is like you heard this and this guy heard that and this guy heard that and some of these old adages of like oh he doesn't love football enough and he's like not enough of a football guy and stuff and I I hate that stuff because these are people and like well-rounded, you know, I would want the guys on my team, the guys that I cheer for to like have interests and hobbies and things that they care about and um, reasons to root for them. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't know this stuff about like Kayvon Thibodeau's like work ethic. Like, I don't know if that stuff is true. Um, I, you know, I hope he's landing in a place with the giants where they're going to, you know, let him, be himself and express his personality and like the fact that he's maybe his personality is a little different than some of these like football guys like I don't think that's a bad thing and going to New York hopefully he's able to like really embrace that and hopefully New York is able to embrace him um him as well and you know I hope that you know he you know I, I don't know you know I, I guess I'm not sure exactly how to give the best answer for this other than um 
you know, I hope he just gets a chance to like be himself and he doesn't have to fit necessarily a mold of like what a NFL player has to look like. Um, I love all of like kind of the mentoring with Michael, uh, with Michael Strahan. Um, I think that can be a really, really good fit because, you know, he's been through it. He's been one of the best players in the world. He's also, you know, has a ton of other interests and a big personality and, you know, maybe can show Kayvon like how that can, you know, how that can work. So um, I'm excited about that. I mean, he's just like from a pure like talent perspective when you watch his tape, like he's really, really, really good. And so sometimes you just, but scouts and personnel folks like just try to find reasons to like poke holes in a guy's game. And um, I don't know, there was a lot of, maybe it's like Oregon, there's like, weirdness that comes out of Oregon and like what scouts see when they go there because like some of the same stuff was being said about Justin Herbert two years ago about like how he's different and he's not a leader and maybe he doesn't love football enough because he wants to go to his classes and like now Justin Herbert is like one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL so maybe we should give these guys a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that like just let them be a really good football player and if they don't exactly fit into your you know football guy mold that's okay too. Yeah, um, and I think what you said, like, he does, oh my God, he has so much talent that, and I'm so happy that the Giants finally decided to, like, take a guy as a pass rusher, not take a guy in the second, not take a guy in the third, and, like, you know, hope he turns into your star, like, take a guy who has every single thing to be your premier pass rusher, and like you said, if he doesn't happen to be, like, the football guy, it's okay, and I think it adds diversity to a locker room, and if he's coached correctly it's not going to be a bad thing if he can yeah. stay focused and all that um and I do think too like it's interesting what you said about scouts like trying to poke holes in guys I think scouts don't want to miss like especially that high you don't want to be the guy to be like I'm all you know I think it's great to be all in on someone but like being in being in that position and being in that room at one point you know you don't want to be the one to mess up because yeah it's it's a really big deal um Spoken like a true scout, Carly. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who did this job for a living. Yeah. Um, but we do want to leave some time for some fun questions. So Sarah, kick that off. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. I wanted to let you have this moment, Carly. I know this is like Christmas morning for you to talk about the draft. It's literally Carly's yes, favorite thing ever. This is like my, it's my favorite holiday. <laughs> it really is. I'm, I wanted to let you have that moment. Um, but as far as fun questions, okay. Are you ready, Lindsay? Sure, sure. Let's go. Okay. They're going to be like, they're going to be like fast questions. Rapid okay, fire. So All right. Let's rapid go. fire. Okay. If you could choose one NFL player to babysit your daughter, who are, who are you choosing and why? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um, when you said, oh, it was like very. I was like, hmm. Um, so I feel like a lot of my answers will probably be like Broncos related because. Uh, yeah, that's I, fair. I know a lot of those. I know a lot of those guys. Um, so I have two and they're both Broncos right now. Um. Have you seen the new house that Russell Wilson and Ciara just bought? Ciara yeah. just bought. So probably the Wilsons. <laughs> like, I would really like my daughter to go hang out. Right. I feel like she'll the there. They also have a five-year-old and I have a five-year-old daughter. They have a five-year-old daughter. Yeah, so perfect. probably the Wilsons. And then maybe sub of that would be the Broncos safety, Dustin Simmons, because I think he's like the most normal, like awesome family NFL player I think I've ever met. So. And then you guys could double do Sierra and Russell. Like that could be. Yes, because if there's anybody in Denver more suited to double date with Russell and Sierra, it's me and my husband. Yes. Uh, Carly, you want to take the next one? Yeah. Um, Who is your favorite social media follow in sports? You like, whose content can you not get enough of? 
Yeah, I mean, does everybody say Mina Kimes? I don't know. I, <laughs> like, is she, Mina just operates like on a totally different like plane than the rest of us. Um, she's just, she's so freaking good at it um, in the, like the sports journalism sphere and just like shutting down the haters, the, the haters. Oh my and the God, they're awful. And, like, yeah. So awful. they're still questioning. Do you, do you get some of that hate ever Lindsay, like on Twitter and how do you do it? Sometimes that? not as much. I mean, cause I'm not on TV. So I think that helps the women who are on TV get it so much worse. Um, so, you know, sometimes and it's always like, oh, you never played or like, go oh, make me a sandwich. And I'm like, you don't want me to make you a sandwich. Trust me. Um, you know, some of that same stuff. So, but yeah, yeah. Mina is a masterclass and like how to run your social media. Yeah. She's amazing. Have you ever met her before? Yeah. She's awesome. Oh my God. I love that. Well, if you, if you get to see her, if you see her again, you know, just let her know about us. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We can make a group chat. Us, Lindsay, Nina. We'll do it. We'll do it. Just tag her. She's Sierra Russell. Just like add them in like while we're at it. It's fine. Um, Okay. This is a fun one. Who is the funniest NFL player you've ever covered or interviewed, talked to? Oh, funniest. Um, So Peyton Manning is like actually really funny um and I think Eli is too but I don't know Eli like I know Peyton like they like are legitimately like funny comedic timing pranks um it's not like they'll plan some of their stuff but like it's it's really 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 well executed so um yeah I mean like low-key funny just just really really legitimately funny I I hear that, that like the shenanigans they have on their commercials is real. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're both of them are like their Saturday night live performances are incredible. Um, The pranks that they pull on each other, the pranks that they pull on teammates, the jokes that they'll make to reporters. I have been the victim of that in the past. Like it's all, um, it's, it's all legit. Like they're, I didn't know you and Payne were such good friends, Lindsay. We're learning things. As, I, don't know if, a... I, I don't know if I would say that, but I was, you know, I was covering them daily when yeah. in Denver, so. of course. That is so cool. Um, I literally could talk to you all day long about football. Like this has been so much fun for me. Like, thank you so much for your insight. We want people to read your articles, find your Twitter. Where can they find you? Where can they find everything that you Sure. So um, all my written work is on The Athletic. So I think we've got a $1 a month subscription deal right now. So if you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, um, follow me on Twitter at ByLindsayHJones where the rest of my stuff and my daughter's football picks will be on Twitter. <laughs> which are per- which are elite picks. If you want to, if you want to predict the next Super Bowl yeah. champ, we're going no, to- No, I legit like had, I, there was a guy last year who would like, respond every week like I made a thousand dollars this week betting your daughter's picks and like I went to Hawaii this summer using her picks and I was like can I send you the link to her 529 like can I get a cut of that yeah wait this is so funny I'm gonna like keep an eye on this now into the situation she won won at like our March Madness pool she won 91 dollars yeah wow like she's like legit good at this that is so funny so everyone go follow Lindsay go read her awesome articles and you guys know where to find us next one up podcast on instagram next one up pod on tiktok next one up pod at gmail.com and we will see you guys next week